0: Welcome to On The Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Hey, it's Chase from On The Table Gaming. And today we're talking about the hobby side of gaming and mental health, including the benefits and sometimes the negatives. Now, before we get started here, it's important to to remember that nothing we share today is intended to be medical advice or diagnosis. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider. Uh, If you're in a crisis or you think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area, and that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. We'll have links in the descriptions below. And if you're located outside of the United States, call your local emergency line immediately. So with that being said, I'm really excited to be joined by these two hobby legends, Duncan Rhodes of the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy and Scott the Miniature Maniac. Uh, Thank you both for coming on to talk with us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, uh, thanks. It's going to be fun. And,
0: you know, while sitting down with the two of you would be a great day any day, Uh, I'm also joined today by Dr. Alta Dupont, uh, a mood and anxiety disorder postdoctoral fellow. So Alta, thanks so much for coming on as well.
2: Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here and talk about this today with y'all.
0: So uh, full disclosure, Alta is my sister. So I just wanted to get that out of the way in case anyone uh, starts to get suspicious that I'm starting to shield for a uh, big therapy here. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go in from there. Um, but let's let's jump in here and uh, explore. In before we get into actual mental health and exploring that topic in more depth, let's talk a little about uh, wargaming and the hobby in general. And so, uh, starting off, why why miniatures uh, over board games or video games? What in particular has hooked us into miniature wargaming? I mean, you can do so many things with your time. How do we uh, how did we decide to, to do? This particular hobby, and so for me coming into this hobby, I think you know I really enjoy board games, video games, books, art, all of those facets. But I think miniature wargaming itself has a certain appeal, and that it's got like this holy trifecta of like hobby, lore, and and gaming combined. So I really enjoy. Not only playing with miniatures, playing the games themselves and painting, but there's that social aspect as well. And then being able to sit in solitude and like work on the mastery aspect of painting. That's that's really what's like hooked me about this hobby in general. And, and it keeps keeps me coming back. Duncan, how about you? What's drawn you into miniature gaming in particular?
1: Um I think it's uh, for me. It's a good way to express creativity, um, in that it's a very personal thing because you kind of put a bit of your soul into everything that you're painting, everything that you're making, and it becomes that very um, unique collection that you put together. That's that's yours. You know, it's your very own thing, and so you develop a sense of attachment to it. It's not like if you're playing um, like a, a strategy game on a PC or anything, where an army is kind of you know just the same things every time and there's nothing tangible about them in the case of miniatures it's definitely something that you create and then you take that and you interact with other people with it so on one hand you've got this kind of personal experience that you go through in making your collection and then you have the social aspect where you meet other people and because the game kind of becomes a bit like a, a role-playing game in some sense and you get these shared experiences with it Um I find that you start to get these very strong connections with people as you're doing it so for myself all, all of my close friends I've met through wargaming through one way or another which certainly hasn't been intentional has been you know doing it for a career i guess but it means that i've made very very good friends and we all share this connection where we can all geek out about miniatures <laughs> so yeah that's i think that's what hooked me in and draws me into it but it allows me to be so i have that private time of doing the thing where i can be an introvert and doing that thing um, but then i can also you know relax with friends at the same time so that's why i think it hooks me awesome
3: uh, I think for me, I'm going to have a similar answer to all of you guys, but maybe getting there from a different uh, path. So, like, uh, it does satisfy multiple things in my personality. My uh, parents uh, introduced things like Star Trek and Lord of the Rings to me at a very young age. And so, there's this fantasy sci fi element that's super, super fun for me. Um, I love the crunchy, competitive nature of the games. I got into like competitive esports at a very long, uh, young age as well. And so, there's a lot of that. Uh, back and forth, uh, a lot of analysis of how you can play, how you can build a list better, which is super fun. And everyone in my family seems to have some kind of creative talent they have or they had. And I didn't really feel like I had any at a young age. I, I couldn't draw. I couldn't sculpt. I couldn't do anything that my sisters could do. But this I could do. And so it felt like I was like a real Walter child once I finally figured out what my creative talent was. So all three things just come together to be like a very efficient uh, enjoyable hobby.
0: And so, you know, we're going to be talking about mental health today. And that term is kind of a broad term. And so Alta, maybe kind of being our, our expert, maybe not on the painting side yet, although I do have, I did dig out some of your old Bretonnia, uh miniatures. I forced her to paint miniatures with me when I was a kid, when I got super into the hobby. And uh, <laughs> I, I do have some of those we have to revisit. Uh, but we're talking about mental health then. You know, what do we mean when we say mental health?
2: Yeah, mental health is actually really difficult to define. I think a lot of us, when we say mental health, what we mean is mental health disorder, right? Things like depression or PTSD. And that is really important because I was actually looking uh, yesterday at some research and it's kind of old, it's from 2005, but it was talking about the lifetime prevalence of mental health disorders in the U.S. And the takeaway was that 50% of people in the U.S., will meet criteria for mental health diagnosis at some point in their lifetime. Just crazy, if you think about it. It That's so many people. But mental health is a lot more than a diagnosis. Like mental health can mean so many other things. I think for me, it's a lot. It's really about like your ability to navigate stress and engage in your life in a meaningful way and connect with other people who are important to you. And there are many, many, many things that can contribute and make somebody like mentally healthy.
0: Sometimes I'll hear people say things like, you know, gaming is like my therapy. When we're talking about that, like what's the difference between something being like therapeutic and actual therapy? Is that maybe a point we should <laughs> look at before we, we talk about some of these things further?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, to me, at least a lot of like hobbies, exercise, things like that can be very therapeutic. Absolutely. And I do like to differentiate that from therapy or mental health, like professional mental health treatment. Um, because for a lot of people who are struggling with, say, major depressive disorder, like hobbying can be a really important part of coming out of that, but it's often not enough, right? And so it's uh, it makes me think of. Uh, I was reading this interview um, with a uh, lead singer of Counting Crows for some reason uh, the other day. and uh, And he was saying that, like, you know, he has a long history struggling with mental health issues. And for him, if you took two days and you had one day where you're horribly depressed and another day where you're horribly depressed, but you wrote a song, like, which would you pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
3: suppose you'd always pick the the version of yourself where you're at least being creative. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is. Maybe that's because we feel the need to have something to show for ourselves. Right. It's like, I, I need to be productive and not being productive and not being a human being in my own mind. Right. Um, which maybe that is a little bit of an unhealthy thought even. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting uh, distinguishing kind of a uh, choice right there.
0: There's, yeah. You bring that up, that productivity there's a lot of jokes in the hobby, actually, like your, your pile of shame, you know, mm. you might find yourself even trapped under plastic. If there's, if there's so much, um, you know, <laughs> when, when uh, we're talking about, you know, gaming and mental health, right. Whether it's our emotional well being in general, or it's specific, uh, you know, diagnosed, uh, uh, diagnosed, you know, uh, situations, you know, what has been the experience that we've all had with that interplay? Like, what has been your experience with gaming and mental health? You know, and so, you know, and, and with that in mind, like, why might talking about mental health be important to you? Uh, Scott, maybe that's something you could start us off with.
3: Yeah, yeah, I can give like a, both a personal response to that and also kind of like how I've experienced it through other people's perspective. Um, so I can almost guarantee that Duncan has gotten similar messages like this, but I've gotten messages from people who tell me my videos help them with their, their mental disorders. I The one that's the one that's most impactful to me is whenever I hear from a soldier that my videos help with PTSD. I've heard that maybe uh, four or five times. And that's so meaningful to me. I don't understand how the dumb things I do in a video can help with something as serious as that. But that's always so cool to hear and experience. Uh, from my own personal perspective regarding things like the hobby pile of shame or like your backlog, you know, I've never really experienced much, much stress about that. I like everything about the hobby. I love, I love the collector aspect. I love the creative aspect. And so when I see a model that I think is really cool and I, I can visualize a story and a paint scheme for, you know, I'm going to buy it without really much consideration for what I haven't painted yet in my, in my life. Not, not feel too bad about that. You know, it gets a little interesting when like you want to play a game in front of a, an online audience and a portion <laughs> of your army isn't painted. People give you crap for that. Uh, but that's that's another story.
0: Okay, <laughs> how about you?
1: I yeah, I can confirm similar things to what Scott mentioned. In that it's um it, it's it's really weird to like it's very strange to get your head around it when um because like when, when I started doing all this stuff at Games Workshop like way back, and I didn't it never occurred to me that I'd get these kind of messages. I thought everyone was going to hate me because uh, no. like, people weren't very friendly towards Games Workshop at that time. And I thought I'd get all of it at me because I was the only face being associated. Well, yeah, I was the only one the company was presenting at the time. And the complete reverse happened. So I was getting similar things like, you know, you get messages from soldiers where they say they're going through something and just painting the miniatures and helping to understand how to do it helps them through that. And we got a message one day from this chap who was going through bereavement and he was painting, um, I believe it was Skitari, his paint, and he got into painting those and he sent a message saying that he'd been following the videos and it felt like someone was there helping him when he was at his lowest. And then... Uh, a few months later, I got sent over to the Nova Open. Um, and as I was walking around, I bumped into him. And of course, I, I didn't know I what he looked like. But he was there at a painting desk in this little hobby area. And he suddenly leaps up and comes running over and, and introduces. And uh, yeah, I sent this message about this, this, this. It completely floored me. Because it's suddenly having that directly in your face telling you this effect that you've helped someone. Um, it's a really powerful feeling. And uh, yeah, and going on, um, I've become aware that this sort of thing happens. Um, I, I think it's wonderful that people can help each other in this sort of way. And it's uh, something I can find a little bit overwhelming at times, to be honest, um, mm. because uh, you want to give your best. Um, but uh, you can sort of like get a little nagging, like, you know, it's not good enough, you know, and you can start driving yourself crazy, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the painting stuff for a personal aspect that i found difficult to deal with is people kind of putting you on a pedestal of uh, you know hearing memes and jokes and things like that but it kind of becomes this reinforcing thing of duncan's the best painter in the world and that's just straight up not true but people expect it of you and you're like oh, I, I can't do that <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. not what i do and um yeah that can be a, a tricky thing to navigate at times um but uh but I've always found just being open about it, as you know, like people understand. I guess when you talk to, them, like, oh, this is a, this is how I feel about all these sorts of things. I think um, people seem to appreciate it. I think the uh, the openness of it. I, I think uh, it's
0: kind of interesting for me to be here talking about this because I think my experience is maybe on the other side, where you know, it's really interesting about gaming and and mental health in that. Now, there are so many aspects, there are social aspects that I find like that really are nurturing about gaming. Like I do the the painting and stuff in solitude and then I go and I play these games with other people and i be part of a real community. And uh, I'm part of these like imagined communities. Like, you know, I'm part of the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy and like I don't meet, like I don't, you know, sit with a group of people in person or I watch Scott, your videos and I know other people who watch your videos and it's like a bond we have, but we don't have like an official fan club yet. Uh, for you guys, but like, you know, it's not, like we're meeting in like places together to congregate. Um, but I think, is it like, I think the terms like parasocial where it's like, I'm an audience participating in your community. And so, you know, on a stressful day for me, I might come home and if I'm having a bad day, I can sit down at the painting table and I can pull up a video. And I actually, I've honestly like watched videos sometimes like even when I'm not painting this exact thing, like just put it on the background And I'm like part of your communities and it's like a friendship. And maybe that's what you guys are speaking to. Like people come up to us. Like it's almost, almost feels like I know you. I got a little nervous at the start of the podcast because you're both here and, it's like i kind of know you but you don't know me it's like hey you're like it feels creepy you're like i i've been listening to you, i've been watching you or like you know but one of the other things that happens for me that's been really helpful in, in this hobby is that i can develop mastery and uh in particular with you two the the painting component it can sit down and it takes uh, it helps me isolate things down and narrow things down into baby steps uh, in various ways where it's like, it can be sometimes a bigger topic. That's like an essay format, like an idea and breaks it down and can be entertaining. But I sit down at the painting table and whatever's going on in my life, I'm like, well, right now what matters is like my miniature and I pick up my brush. And then it's like, Hey, we're going to start by, you know, applying this color. Or it's like, you know, watching video being like, here's the, the theory behind why I'm doing this. Uh, and I'm like able to break into manageable pieces. And I know, I think that speaks to like uh, it's a skill or a strategy, I guess, that I end up using that helps me regulate or deal with my, whatever emotions I'm having during the day. And so maybe I'm coming at my experience with gaming and mental health as the person that is like benefiting from what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, is, it, maybe Alta is, is there something like related to distress, distress tolerance, like in the actual act of breaking things down into these pieces and having like people who give like instructional or like at least informative content that is also entertaining or, or helpful. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. It's really cool for me to hear y'all share. I said, I'm new to this world. This is not like a yeah, i watched some of y'all's videos um before this just to be like who are these people uh, i carefully I went, curated oh some of these those yeah,
0: guys yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, you
2: know which is great and i like really hear the balance that you'll have to strike uh, between like the idea of who you are and like being a human being that is obviously a flawed just like the rest of us uh, and i can imagine the immense pressure to um perform. Mm. Uh, and also how like those moments of vulnerability when you maybe are human and you know leave half of the board unpainted, how that could also be in an interesting way like very validating for for other people who may be in the same boat.
1: Yeah. I think you do have these there are plenty of moments where you're kind of like worried about is something going to work? Uh, we can be making a video on a given week and I'll have tested a hundred times what I'm going to be doing. I know what I'm talking about, but you still think to yourself, oh, if this doesn't work, if this doesn't look bad, what do we do then? Because you want the advice that you give to be genuine and to actually, you know, serve a person, help somebody. But if it's not working out, then all right, so we've got to redo this. And suddenly that cuts into time, which then starts to mess up your schedule for what you need to make and things. So even like I say, you've done a hundred times, you know what you're doing. You still think to yourself, oh, what if this goes wrong? <laughs> you can always hear that little voice. Well I can, you know, that little voice at the back of my head, um, even after all these years. Uh, but uh, you know, but then on the other hand, when you do the thing and it works, you get this enormous sense of, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's not gone wrong today. So yeah, you know, I think um, everyone has these these moments, these like vulnerabilities. I, I yeah, I, I imagine it's the case in most things, like maybe an aeroplane pilot when I'm about to land the plane. Man, I hope I get this right. <laughs> 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 that's not that's <laughs> that perspective? it's not that big a deal getting paid exactly wrong, is it?
0: <laughs> Do you feel like has it you know for I make videos and I really enjoy creating and I really look up to you both does it get easier? Like the amount of time you've spent you've made so many videos and they're so great and like does each video get easier it's just like oh you know you're, you're building up mastery and eventually it's like, you know, I used to struggle tying my shoes a long time ago. And then I, I kept doing it. And now, like, I don't even have to look, I can tie my shoes. Like, does it, uh, is it just a thing about like, you know, Same maybe with painting, is it just a matter of time? And then you somehow reach some like mythical plateau where it's like, uh, there's a little voice, there's nervous there, but like, uh, I don't know, at the risk of sounding invalid, like a lot of times I see your stuff and it's it's hard for me to tell what maybe is the content you're putting out that you feel like was rushed and not great. And the content. It, I mean, there's obviously content is great, but like, I don't always maybe see this huge gulf on my end. So maybe two yeah. parts there, but is the first part, like, you know, does it get easier? Scott, like you've been making videos for a long time. Like, is yeah, it easier? So, that was a, yeah, that
3: was a validating thing for you to say that you can't, you don't notice a huge <laughs> discrepancy in quality. So I feel like my last video I had, there were several things about it that I was upset with, but I had to put it out. Cause I wanted to put out a video during my campaign. Um, mm-hmm. but I kind of, you know, decided to lower the quality on several other things to be able to get it out on that schedule. So it depends on the kind of person you are. I see myself as a person who's enthusiastic about the video creation as well as the painting creation. And so I am never really happy to just coast. Uh, Whenever I figure out a comfortable video process, I'm always trying to change it, which is why if you look at my videos over the course of the last six years, they've changed not only in like in theme, but also in tone and pacing and and how much of it is education, how much of it's entertainment. Like these things all flex because that, that keeps it fun and exciting for me. Um but the downside of that is that it is almost always a challenge because you're never really operating in your wheelhouse. Um and when you are it's boring. So to answer your question, it doesn't really get easier for me. And for painting, for people who are listening to this, if you're like a display painter or or someone who's trying to get better at painting in general, you will often notice, well, you'll often get better while painting a project. And then by the end of the project, you'll be like, well, I'm better than what this end result suggests. So I almost want to redo this thing I just painted. And it's like, okay, you can't do that because you'll never finish a model. So (laughs) it's like, it's both things like you're getting better constantly. So you're, you always know, you always know you're better at uh, what you're accomplishing at the moment. And also if you're always trying to change things up, you're never going to be a pro at what you're doing. So you're always going to feel like you're a noob. So yeah, those, those two things are interplaying,
0: man. So if what I'm kind of hearing then is, I guess the hope is in like, if the, the things don't change, if it's always challenging, then do we have to like change around that? So is it like? Do you feel like the other skills that we can put into play that make it easier? Is like we have to just navigate those emotions. Like I guess you can't stop the waves, but like somehow you've learned to surf. And uh, <laughs> like you know, when people follow right? <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, but I guess like you know, what what goes into like how can we be more skillful about navigating those spaces? I guess I feel that way, and you know, I, I work on videos, and I'll somehow oftentimes maybe sacrifice getting things out because I want to be like perfect. And then even when I get it out, it's not, it's not perfect. And like, are there ways to manage that more skillfully? I guess, same thing with painting Uh, maybe, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, but like I have a, a lot of games I play one of the Marvel crisis protocol. And I actually don't play it that much because I don't paint the miniatures because I, for some reason, I, I can paint up all my free foe. I have Warhammer miniatures. I've got these cool Perry uh, Napoleonics I'm painting up. And like, it's a blast. But when it comes to these, I get this one miniature in a box. And mm-hmm. it's not just like, you know, random Napoleonic Brigadier dude. It's a superhero. And like, I've seen them in movies and like, I've read the comments and like, I wanna make sure I get it right. And like, I'll look up a bunch of little tutorials and they're still in the box, a lot of them. And like, I, I was like, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna do it better. And like, I opened them up and I assembled a bunch and I, I just can't get to, for some reason, paint this particular miniature. Um, do you guys have that? Like Duncan, have you ever had a, a miniature that you felt like you just couldn't start or like there's some barrier there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, so that's, um, I get that feeling to some extent or another whenever it's a figure where it's a depiction of something like in a movie or TV, like I guess you're saying to like Marvel superheroes. For things like Warhammer, not really because I've kind of, you know, like there's always set things in the studio i was learning these set of things and how they do them but when it comes to painting something like that when you're trying to replicate it as close as you can definitely i certainly experienced that a lot with my elder scrolls miniatures so uh so for a game from that trying to get because you know what things look like in skyrim right everything's brown <laughs> all these different shades of brown in the outfits and so there i am trying to work out these minute different shades of brown on things and i had to stop myself after a while of like it doesn't matter like as long as it's close because when the lighting conditions in the game changes all those things change anyway it's it's the same with superheroes depending on how you know the light they're depicted in the shades of red blue whatever are always going to be different i had a similar thing just the other night so um i ended up painting some of the miniatures from uh another glorious day in the core so this game on aliens came out right? i've got some of the xenomorphs and i was like right the painters in a mod—they're just black, right? But they, you see, so so many people depicting them over time with metallics and things. But I've started winding myself up in knots as to how I was going to paint these things, and they're only one color. <laughs> and it, I, particularly, I managed to work my way through it. And then I was like, having a go with some varnishes to make them look shiny and stuff, and I wasn't liking what was going on. And I was just like, Do you know what? If, Start again, do it all again, calm down, it's all right. And just calm, how would you do it? Don't, don't worry what, what anyone else or all these depictions and things. You know, I was looking like that, just try and do that. And then I was much calmer about it and just pulled through, then happy with the result. So I think um, what I'm getting at there is sort of acknowledging when you're tying yourself up in knots about it, because that is the barrier. It's just like any other miniature, you just start it the same way, same sort of techniques. And uh, it's easier to paint it, and if you're not happy with it, change things than it is to not have ever started. You know what I mean? Like, it's go back and work on it. And you can always adjust things if you want to, um, I think. But yeah, I know what you mean.
2: Yeah, it's interesting hearing y'all talk about like things getting easier or not. Uh, in some ways, it's just making me think of like how we define easier, right? Because it sounds like for you, Scott, like, a lot of the challenges is really just becoming comfortable, tolerating discomfort in some way. <laughs> And just so like, sad. <laughs> 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 well, really, like an amazing skill. Uh, and uh, I think that, like, that seems like it's really important, right? Because ideally, we're all challenging ourselves in all kinds of ways. And I, I'm curious if maybe the part that gets easier is the doing it anyways, even though you're uncomfortable or, or worried about it or not sure if it's going to be just so.
3: Yeah. Um One thing I didn't touch on that I bet uh, Duncan knows about, and other hobbyists also know about, is that when you get more comfortable with a process, you tend to add more things onto that process, right? So it's like, okay, I know how to paint a unit, and I'm going to paint a display model. Okay, I know how to paint a display model, and I'm going to like paint or convert uh, a model of my army and paint it super nicely. And so it's like, the, the more you're comfortable with doing, the more you're willing to experiment and expand your skill set. And so for Duncan and myself, maybe it's like, okay, we know how to make videos. We know how to make one video a week. Okay, can we also? Do a live stream. Can we also do a podcast? Can we also run a Kickstarter campaign? And then you get to this certain point where it's like, holy cow! I keep adding things onto my plate, but time never expands magically, and so I'm just like, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I am butter spread over too much bread to, to quote Bilbo. So yeah, the same thing with a hobby is like you can just really get in over your head because the more you play the game you're more the you're involved in the hobby the more you want to try out different games which involve different challenges new experiences but it can almost get a little too much at one point because you just have so many things going on in your in your hobby life
1: yeah i think that's especially true if you end up playing lots of different things and so you never actually finish anything <laughs> yeah yeah Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> amen to that <laughs> <laughs> too many games too many
0: skirmish <laughs> games what the heck
1: Yeah, I the skirmish yeah. games was uh, a solution I thought that was a good <laughs> scaling
0: down the skirmish games
1: that's right I've been trying to be good in focusing on the games I actually play more recently um, mm. and it's difficult because um, I've don't always I, I been pulled in lots of different directions and I imagine Scott you must get this of like uh, people wanting you to paint their miniatures and things and you want to help out and do this different stuff but you get to a point where there's just so many just single figures from all kinds of things and at the end like oh cool I'm going to play that game uh, well, I've got 20 miniatures but they're not for the same army mm. so I can't use them and oh, it's just, yeah. you start thinking, have I wasted my time? What am I doing this for? And you can like go nuts with it. Yeah, which uh, certainly burned me out a little bit during all the uh, all the lockdowns that were happening. Definitely. I kind of like uh, put all this time into painting stuff and then I was at the end of it and I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing this for?
2: Hmm. I'm wondering for all of you really, if I can ask, when you feel burnt out or like when you feel like you're spread over, spread too thin. Like, how do you know? And what are the signs for you that like, oh, this is too much.
3: I don't want to do my job anymore. I think uh, if I wake up and I'm like, you know, I get up pretty early. I like to work early in the morning because no one's awake. When I, if I get up at five or if I don't even want to get up at five, I'm like, okay, this is a problem now. If if I'm not interested in my job that I quit my professional career for, that is like the end all be all something is wrong
1: here. That's how I know. For me, it's when uh, I just don't want to paint anything or I can't get any motivation to do it. Um, And the work thing's different because, um, so I work closely with um, with my friend, Roger, who I've been doing this stuff with Games Watch for all these years up till now. Um, so the two of us have a very good working relationship. So um, about, you know, I've got to provide the content because he's there to film it. And you know we've got an employee as well, so we have to do it. So that's always felt like a very distinct, separate thing for me. But when it comes to in my own time, if I'm just sat there looking at these models and I just can't motivate myself, then I know I've got an issue at that point um mm. it's time to go and do something else for a bit yeah
3: this this sounds terrible but hearing that Duncan Rhodes has <laughs> moments when he doesn't want to paint makes me feel more okay because that <laughs> I
1: definitely experienced that yeah well it happened um in uh so 2020 so when the lockdown happened I, I was like time to get some stuff painted you know what I mean so like and I, I leapt into it and um the final fantasy remake video game was coming out and I loved playing that when I was a kid so I wanted to finish uh, my Targaryen box before that came out so I powered through painting all the Dothraki and everything did that played the game amazing right okay so I you know I did really well finishing that set I also do another one so I threw myself into my night's watch and there was also some war machine stuff I painted around then as well and um there was some historical stuff I dabbled with some um some World War II and things and I just suddenly crashed and I was like because I was just Paintable all the stuff I and mean, then it would go in the box and that'd be it and I wasn't seeing anybody because no one could so I wasn't doing anything with it and I, I just realized I was just you, you know when you're trying to finish a project Scott right and you, you're trying to get it done by a certain time and you sort of like sort of start to stress yourself and trying to get it finished and then you, you're like oh there we go brilliant I was just doing that again and again and I just kind of hit a point like why am I doing that? And I just sort of stopped and I'd paint occasional things, you know, but I wasn't finishing any real thing. And um, it didn't really come back uh, my motivation to paint anything in a big way until I got chatting to some friends who, who I do reenactment with. And we were all like, oh, it'd be cool to have something to look forward to once things go back to normal. And one of them wanted to play old school Epic 40k. and One of them wanted to do world war two. And I was like, why don't we put these together? And so we decided to do flames of war. So like small world war two and, uh, painted a, bunch, a little army for that. And then seeing them and playing that again, it was just like back. And all of a sudden I'm like, I want to paint loads of this stuff. And I had a reason to do it because I was looking forward to seeing my friends again and like going, look at this cool thing. I made an objective marker. It's a truck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just wanting to do stuff like that and just nerding out about it and learning about, because I didn't really know much about World War II. So I was learning about the difference between like a Panzer III and a Panzer IV and all this sort of stuff. And it was like, sort of like suddenly um, breathing again. <laughs> which sounds a little bit dramatic, um, but it, it was nice to get that feeling. And so that's kind of reinforced for me, the, like, why are you painting these models? Because I want to have fun with my friends, but I'm also an introvert. So I get to have that time alone painting the thing, but there's a purpose to it. I think um, it's sort of underlined that aspect for me. Uh, I don't know if you have a similar feelings about it, Scott, but uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: When you said that, you said it kind of a while back and I thought something immediately. I had a period in my career where I was just painting sponsored videos back to back to back to back, which is like the best kind of ad for a company when you paint their model that Mm. someone can go out and buy right now. But I realized you had the same thing. You said it out loud. It was like, I have painted 20 models in a row that are not for a game I care about. And I'm not using it. It's going in my cabinet, and it just exists in there. And it's like, well, what is my hobby? Is my hobby just painting models for other people? <laughs> and so I discovered a song of ice and fire at that point with my roommate Curtis, and we just loved that game. And I had the exact same experience as you. I started to get excited about things that were just like almost uh, adjacent to the hobby. I made a table topper for a song of ice and fire. I started getting super excited about casting like custom sea bases for my Greyjoy army, and I was just like. I was painting models, not on camera, not on stream, just for um, like my own enjoyment, and I totally. Feel that feeling of okay holy cow i'm a normal person again i'm not doing this for a buck i'm just doing it and no one's watching and it's like I'm, I'm like 12 again so i totally get that feeling you shared
1: that video um was my favorite one that you've made because i really enjoyed that because it was very heartfelt uh, it like it caught my attention when it popped up um i was actually uh i was at the grand tournament for ice and fire it was the night in between the two days of the event where i saw it pop up on my youtube recommended and uh yeah i found it very um uh, very honest if that makes sense you know that you, and it was actually nice to see you feeling things that I could recognise and what you were saying mm, yeah. and it was cool that you'd done it in that game too and it's like oh yeah it's like it's a genuine good game and he's doing it because he likes it um, I think it's a, for. Um, I don't think people get it with the content creation side of things because you know it, it is your job doing it and honestly you're into it but you also have your own hobby and you want to be able to do that too and um, so, yeah, so I loved it. It was great. Thank you. Thank you.
2: What you two are describing really reminds me of this idea of burnout cycles. So, the <laughs> idea just being that, like, for most of us, burnout is kind of a part of life and that we'll go through these cycles of burnout. Um, and it sounds like for you two, the way that you've gotten through that is connecting with like what's important to you, like your values, or, like why you started doing this in the first place and also is connecting with other people who are also jazzed about, you know, the hobby.
3: Totally true. Yeah, so, yeah, I think
0: so. So if uh, I'm like mindful of not trying to like, it seems like weird to be like, how do you like cheat the system there? It's like a way to like formula, like be like, well, burnout's going to happen. Then we do this and then we can do more. Like, I don't want to like feed into a thing that is unhealthy, And like just trying to find ways to enable to put more on our plates is part of this then, uh, trying to then nurture those communities. Like, is that a way to prevent burnout or is burnout like inevitable and you just need to know how to like pick up the pieces? Like, is there a preventative thing that we could be prescribing to, or is there more of like, we gotta be looking for like the, the bandaid at the end that's here's how you you fix things or is it fixable like that? I guess.
1: Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. What do you think Duncan? So yeah, it's a funny thing because, um, that's, pressure to get a thing done I think is always going to be there to some extent because if you're painting a, you're painting an army there's always going to be that unit where it's like oh I can't be bothered to finish them but I need to finish them because you want to have that thing I, I remember the with old 40k stuff the troops tax you know painting your troop squads and sometimes it can feel like a slog and things um, that can just be a part of it I think it's a different feeling though when you you're just lacking the motivation to do anything and you can always cut corners if that's the unit you don't want to paint you <laughs> know you don't have to make them amazing so uh, that's Yeah, I I think you could end up piling it on too much Um, Mm. and if you're feeling that way throughout the whole army you probably want to be asking why am I doing that army in the end Uh, because I think there is always a personal thing that attracts you to a particular collection Uh, so you always need to kind of keep in the back of your mind, why are you doing that collection? Why do you like them? Um, I like my Lannisters because they look pretty and I like the way they play with all the dirt tricks, yeah. Okay, so that's oh. what it's about. So I should sort of grab to- exactly, yeah. I'm <laughs> that kind of guy, <laughs> and so. Gravitate towards the things that interest you. Um, I do think you can largely avoid it by just doing those miniatures and troops in the, the collection that you like. Um, but yeah, it, it does happen sometimes. Um, it's also like a tournament tradition having that night before the tournament to rapidly finish things. Yeah, yeah. You got any thoughts, Scott?
3: Yeah. Well. Uh... I thought I was gonna ask you to play a game of Sunwise and Fire Depicon, but now I know you're a Lannister player.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
3: Oh, and the fire
1: cars just already psyching so out. Oh god. That's right. None of them counterplot, but I'm like, yeah. Oh
3: God, not counterplot. No. <laughs> right uh, yeah, I have some thoughts about that. Um, so I think I think what I, in, in my head, my theory on how to solve this issue of never experiencing burnout again is to have total knowledge and control over knowing what you are able to accomplish in a set amount of time. So it's like, okay, like, this is is bringing me back to like my software engineering days of like scrum meetings and like having JIRA boards where it's like, okay, in a week, uh, a full-time employee can be assigned 30 points of work and then 10 points, which is like a point is an hour. uh, It's like for extra stuff. Right. So it's like, as a YouTuber, as a hobbyist, it's like, okay, I can have two games on my plate at one point. And if I decide to bring on a third, I need to get rid of one of these games so that I can have the bandwidth to live my normal hobby life and live my normal life as well without feeling stressed out or, or, or pulled in one too many directions. So if you are very intimately aware of what you are able to accomplish as a person, as a hobbyist, and you're like very mature about like what to get rid of and what to add, I think you would never experience burnout but the thing is is that everyone is constantly learning how much work their hobbies or their their tasks are going to take them to do while they're doing them and so it's like not something you figure out until after the fact and you are already burnt out so that's that's my idea it's like constantly trying to hone in on what
1: how much time you have to do the things you want to do that's a very good advice I like that having the rule of two things. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good idea.
0: <laughs> Do you feel like the nature of content creation mixed with the hobby, though, like is the thing that makes it so hard to maintain that because there is like a weird, like never-ending possibility for growth out there, right? Like especially for YouTube, because you are actively involved in expanding the hobby and bringing more people in, and and I, I realize even in saying that that like adds another point of pressure and like people see your stuff and like uh, I've shown your videos just that are even funny like or to be like hey like uh, check this out and they're sort of like well this is actually kind of cool like I'd be they're more like board gamers they'd be like oh maybe I'll paint up some of my board game sort of miniatures and like well if I picked up one of those miniatures I might try and do that too and then Duncan Rhodes yours are often very like especially beginner friendly being like hey if you're if you're stepping into the first time like here you go but like the it's it's sort of like an insatiable like you could make a, you know, you said, I make this many videos a week. I'm going to do two more or make three more. If you made X, you know, 10 videos a day, people would still be like, great. Like, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> Ouch, this shirt, right. You know <laughs> what I mean? But like, and is there, is the nature that there is no, there's no way you could fulfill the the hunger there is for content out there. Does that add like a struck an extra stressor or like, is there any way that you guys have found like maybe liberation in the idea that like, hey, if you put out a video a week or a video a month even, people would still be clamoring for it and and think that's great.
3: Yeah. I think you need to be okay with leaving things on the table. Um, That was something that I learned at a very young YouTuber age is that there are so many opportunities making books, making TikTok content, making Instagram shorts, like doing a class, like being involved in someone's collaboration. The list is endless and every opportunity is a valid opportunity for growth and it's your business and it's how you make money. And so it's feels very uncomfortable when Instagram's like, here's several hundred dollars to make Instagram shorts. Do it, do it now. And it's like, no, I don't wanna do that. Uh, so it feels really bad to leave those kinds of opportunities on the table. Um, but you, I think learning how to do that is really
1: important for not getting burnt out or not feeling like, you know, you're you're doing too many things. Yeah, I think that's true. I think if you end up saying yes to every request that comes along, you'll just, uh, yeah, you can't do it all. There's just not enough time of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it, you'd like to certainly. So you know, like it, it's uh, it's meaningful to people. I think you know to be like using your time for these sorts of things. But yeah, the just the realities of of life. Like you got you got to do other things. You've got to uh, spend time with your families, for example. You have got to do all this stuff. So you can't just spend twenty four hours a day um, working on content. I think. Yeah, um, yeah.
3: <laughs> you got to spend time yeah. with your cute little pug
1: dog. Obviously. The yes. <laughs> Oh, he's got teeth like needles. <laughs> no. And he, he's shedding so much hair. I <laughs> I got into my car the other day and there's hair inside my car. I don't. <laughs> like he's never been in there. So maybe we'll get to see him on one of your future
0: painting videos. Like, is piece that, that hair on the
1: miniature? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I found one in the palette the other day. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. I found I found, <laughs> found blessed. So he's, he's only a. I, I I'm six months old or something, but he loves chasing stuff. And I found that um, every now and then he'll try and chase his tail. And if I just hold his, because it curls up, if I just sort of curl it and sort of like lean it around the side, you'll see it and then go for it. So at will, I can make him chase his tail. <laughs> oh, there's a metaphor it, there. Good guy. Really so yeah, <laughs> actually, I
3: saw that. Oh, yes, video on Instagram,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, I watched that video yeah he's um, oh, he's lovely he, uh, he barks in the background and stuff sometimes and he's often a nightmare. there but uh, so he's got this he's got to rhythm so at lunchtime we will sat having lunch and stuff and I'll eat and he watches for when I finish my food and I've put it back in the kitchen and then he knows it's battle time and he runs off and he finds a toy and he just so <laughs> happens to start chewing it on my foot and it's like oh, what you got there gizmo and then it's like you know we tug of warring it and stuff and we keep going there until he falls asleep
3: yes <laughs> more dog content, more gizmo
0: content, please.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really nice.
0: Is that like um, another sort of distress tolerance sort of thing there? Uh, like, does that help with, you know, talking about community, like hanging out with friends, like our pets, a, a therapeutic angle to, to help with some of the stuff too. I wonder, I Do think think so. I'll, is there any, there's gotta be tons of research on that. That's probably maybe self-evident, but, um, <laughs> Maybe hitting on just one or two more of these elements of mental health when it comes to painting. Maybe, you know, we hit on a little bit of like maybe overcoming some of the anxiety pieces or maybe getting started or burning out. What about like frustration while you're doing a miniature? Do you um, often feel or does that does that feeling arise where you're you're painting? You're like, man, I'm really frustrated. This didn't work out. Maybe anger, maybe disappointment. Do you find that sometimes you have to give up on a miniature? Like, do you have strategies for working through that? you know, as someone who is a, a developing painter, I think might be the polite way to call my skills. Um, you know, I watch your stuff and it's so good because it's video format. I've got some old, like, uh, heavy metal, uh, Warhammer magazine, like paintings from a kid. And it'd be like, picture one, like base color, picture two, like a little bit more. And then would be like, picture three, done miniature. And I'm like, how the, how the heck did we get there? And I can like watch your videos and like, kind of go back and be like, okay, wait a second, one more time. Like, okay, here's how we do that. Or even seeing like, this is what 10 minutes takes, this is what an hour takes. Okay, great. Like I'm somewhere in this range. So, you know, that that can still get frustrating though sometimes where I'm like, you know, it's not even like not understanding the concept. It's like my adeptness with like moving my brush or like the way the paint is like pooling up and like, and that can be frustrating sometimes. And I can think there are maybe a lot of times there have been things where maybe larger vehicles have been hard where like I'd, i gave up and like, been like, it's really hard. I thought this big tank would be so easy, but like, this is the hardest thing I've had to paint. It feels like. Uh, and then, you know, sitting on it and sometimes coming back, I've got this uh, star Wars Legion, uh, the Llat, And uh, I oh, yeah. started it and then I tried to do some paneling and then it, didn't work. And I'm like, I think I need to start over again. And I, I don't want to say that I've given up, but I'm in a temporary holding pattern. Um, how do you deal with frustration or does that arise for you? And then how do you, uh, how do you deal with that? Scott, is that something I know? I think you've talked about a little bit in the past. I've seen some videos, but like, you know, does that still manifest regularly? And and what do you do?
3: Yeah. So before I was involved in YouTube, I would have considered myself a pretty uh, emotionally healthy person uh, pretty good pretty good ego and stuff like that and how that manifests itself in my painting is that i tell myself and maybe you tell yourself this when you're walking through the aisles of ikea it's like you see a piece of furniture and like, i can make that i don't need to buy that right and so <laughs> oh when, no when it comes That's to painting real. right i know right <laughs> when it comes to painting i tell myself i can paint like anyone in the world as long as I have the willingness and the time to spend. And I, I almost believe that entirely. There are people that I believe that are a little bit untouchable in their skill, but if I just sit down and I and I futz on something for a super long time, I can get it looking really good. And so if I'm ever at a point in my painting where I'm like, okay, I'm in the ugly phase of this model, it looks kind of trashy. I know that if I just sit here for another three hours, you know, however long it's going to take, depending on the size of the model, level of detail, things like that, it's going to look good because I've, I've been here before. I've been in this bad place and I know if I just... Pay more details, it'll look great. Um, so I'm pretty good at powering through that mostly due to an ego issue.
0: <laughs> I've, I've done the, the I think, the ugly phase. That is definitely a painting phase of mine. I've recently tried to be like, you know, I'm going to try and do eyes, like an eyes, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I have sat for three hours and they're just, they're just <laughs> and I'm like, I've not made any progress. I am worse than, and they really. Can distort the feel of a miniature when you're like everything I got everything how I want it and then there's just a little bit. Duncan, <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, how about you? Does you know frustration and maybe giving
1: up? Does that that come up in your practice? Um, I, I certainly understand the the ugly phase bit of things and um, I find sometimes when I'm painting a model um, and I've got that so I'll be funny with my tanks actually for my flames of war that I've got a number of that are finished and I'm painting some new ones and there's some stages where I've just painted the armor for example and I compare that to one that's finished and they look really different and I'm like have I done something wrong with this if I carry on is it going to look really different in the end and it's because of like the, the breaking up of the colors on it and the weathering and stuff but it's definitely a point where I have to like go no you, you know it's going to turn out all right keep going <laughs> because otherwise, I'd just be there doing the first stage again and again and again, and not working out why it never carried on the same. So, yeah, that's a good like thing to just be aware of. I think. Um, as for giving up on models, I, I've never willingly gone up, uh, ah, forget this, and you know, just given up completely. But I have been. There's been plenty of times where I've been painting a model, and then something's happened where I've had to turn my attention to do that thing instead, mm-hmm. um, and I just never ended up coming back to what I'd started so on my uh like my french napoleonics for example mm-hmm. um so i've got this unit of light cavalry and um I was uh, so I, I think they're cool and everything, but then the Perry's brought out a plastic version where I think the plastic horses are nicer than the metal ones. And so I decided I'm going to change all the metal horses because they're, they're very thin, right? So They look fine, looking inside them. When you look at them close up, it doesn't. It looks a bit too thin for my eye. So take them off the old metal horse, put them the plastic one. I got through three, and then something happened, and then I ended up playing a game a few well actually a few weeks ago, and I realised I'd not finished doing that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's like a real like oh they all look different now <laughs> that that drives me crazy um <laughs> so yeah that's a that's a thing i do i get distracted and i forget about it um I don't like that about myself. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to
3: put you like, uh, I, don't, I don't want to call you out at all, Duncan, but how many, if you could approximate, how many ongoing projects do you have? Whether that's like, so I, I define a project as something that you are painting as one thing. So if you're painting an entire army in one go, that's one project or one model. How many ongoing projects do you got? All
1: right. Uh, stop count. All right. So, uh, so my flames of war and Yeah, it's not started yet, but I'm going to do another army for that. But uh, I've got my Elder Scrolls collection. I've got, uh, with Ice and Fire... Does that all like loosely count as one? Are we talking about the different factions? I would say I would say a faction is one project. Yeah, a non-specific right, okay. number between
0: one and seven is a... <laughs> oh, boy.
1: Okay, so... Or uh, <laughs> is it a non-zero number? Is it, it's a non-zero number. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite... Yeah, I've got quite a few... Uh, so I was going to do the Unsullied theme army for my Targaryen. So there's one. Um, I've got... Uh, the Cleggain theme tag to, to my Lannisters. Um, I've got the Greyjoy box, of which I've painted a few of the models, so I suppose that counts. Then um, there's going to be look, plenty more. I've nearly finished painting my Cthulhu Death Made Die set. Uh have got these Xenomorphs I started painting. Uh, <laughs> I <didn't know> <laughs> yeah. I've, <laughs> so I, I've got some Romans I started doing. I've got some Greeks I started doing. Uh, some Vikings. Um, we're going to be here a while Oh, i've got some enforcers <laughs> some chaos space marines uh conquest uh of a human army the wadron army it's quite a lot uh I was sort of not worry about those uh yeah. so two at a time right 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 that's the new rule for both <laughs> two, of us two at yes a time, uh is going to be finished my Cthulhu death may die and my flames of war that's what i should do because those two projects are close to being finished Okay. I'll be a All good right. boy and try and do those. Oh, how about okay. you, Scott?
0: Is that a, <laughs> yeah, have you you? a similar number? Does that sound reasonable what he's going through?
3: That is 100% reasonable. I have a very similar amount of ongoing
0: trading projects. <laughs> Does that help manage? Like, you know, it's like not giving up, but it's just like rotating from one thing to another. Like, you know, and also, I don't know if maybe some of this is, is resonating as they're going through here, but like dealing with getting frustrated, maybe switching to different projects that are like adjacent or similar you know, I don't know, are there any maybe skills that might be applicable to helping us navigate this space more skillfully?
2: Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm struck by um, how you two have, it sounds like a pretty parallel process where you have over time experimented a ton and have kind of learned to trust the process. And like many of us, it sounds like there's periods as you are painting something where you start to be self-critical and that for you two, you can like recognize that, and be like, okay, yes, yes. And I can trust this process and I know because I've experimented with this before that that doesn't mean that it's not worth continuing.
3: Absolutely. It's always interesting to hear someone who isn't in the hobby's perspective on how you engage in your hobby because it just opens so many doors and so much realization. So thank you, Alta. I really appreciate your (laughs) perspective. But yeah, I don't even remember what the question was.
0: (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, I think about the the particular, uh, you know, trying to think of like skills, like, you know, one thing in the back of my wow. mind as we're going through this is like, how can we be more skillful? Like, are there tools that we could maybe implement in our process? Like, it sounds like through trial and error, you guys figured out, like, this is how it works. Or maybe, I don't know, you read like a book on like the best way to become a, a YouTube mini painter or something. If not, like, <clears throat> I'm just hearing this. It sounds like there's room for a book to be in there, but a uh, of burnout. We don't want to, we don't want to go there, but you found it to like trial and error. Right. And, you know, hitting on these ideas of burnout, it sounds like through the process, maybe you've, you've been in that place where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not really feeling it here or that you've had projects when you've been really frustrated and maybe you've not given up but you cycle through other projects to keep it kind of fresh. And then throughout yeah. all of this, like it was maybe the joy, getting back to your values and the friendships the social component, even if like, maybe you don't see yourself as like the most extroverted or social person, you know, depending on individual, but that that piece of like sharing your hobby, that joy or experience somehow has been reinvigorating. So maybe there's like things we need to be thinking about, like, uh, that we can reinforce or double down or maybe even do more skillfully in those regions that help sustain our own mental health and make this hobby, like something that is a sustaining and nurturing and invigorating thing versus like a drain. Yeah.
3: yeah. I definitely have some I thoughts think- about that. Uh, you can go first, Duncan. Oh,
1: thank you. Um, I think, uh, so I never really thought about any of this kind of stuff as all this began um because for me i was so i was working in games workshop studio and uh my job was to paint armies for them so the the willingness as to whether you wanted to do it or not didn't really factor in because you had to do it because you had a deadline and you're expected to reach these things and so i realized then that the main thing about painting the army in that sort of way is having the willpower to commit and keep going through and even like once you're done you just hand it over and it's not yours anymore it's like it's just you spending your time doing it um at that time the only army i really painted at any sort of size or degree and stuck with was my bretonian army just because i really liked them and i ended up doing a campaign and stuff like that but yeah, you know, that was my thing when the tv thing started um again it sort of switched over as the job is to help people do this thing but i always loved unlocking secrets for people and showing them directly what to do and um actually then meeting people who would learn from it um i found to be a really powerful thing so that's what really sort of it really got me invested in that. But when it came to painting armies, it's it's always been um having a thing that grabs my attention and keeps me going all the way through it. So it's, it's kind of been like two separate things in a way. That Over time, what I I think doing this kind of thing gives you a perspective because people do start coming to you with issues and things. And it, it even happened in retail, actually, when I was working there. And um, people look to you as kind of, it sounds weird, they look to you like an authority or something, like a role model. And so I think you start hearing things and getting a perspective that you don't necessarily get. I, I was getting when I was just there painting my own army and playing with people. When people come to you about saying, oh, I'm having this this issue or burnout, or I do this thing and it's frustrating or this kind of thing, I think that then sort of makes you reflective on your own experiences and what you're trying to do and recognizing when something is possibly like a toxic behaviour in yourself and adapting to it. So I don't think it's anything that I ever particularly intended going into this sort of thing. I think it's just sort of happened. And then after leading Games Workshop and being in YouTube, it's just kind of, I've just been dropped into the situation, I guess, and sort of had this perspective on things. I'm curious, if, Scott, if you're process through this has been much different because so you've been through the youtube thing whereas i so i had the, the company was literally putting me in that position and so i was doing that job but i was never really thinking about this sort of thing um until all of a sudden one day i met people in real life and it's like oh this has happened um was yours much different to that like did it just sort of grow or like naturally or yeah
3: so i i want to address something immediately i think we mentioned it a little bit earlier but uh it kind of sounds like you're suggesting a little bit of a feeling of an imposter syndrome, like uh, because you had this more corporate approach to being a YouTuber, maybe it's like lesser than, and I just want to reassure you that that YouTube thing with Warhammer and GW would have never worked if you as the individual weren't like just a lovely person to interact with and like a great face for the company. Cause like half of it, sure they have an audience, but like it doesn't go anywhere if the person isn't like fun to engage with. So like, I think our experiences are going to be super similar in that a lot of what shapes it is how you kind of interact with the community and how the community interacts with you. So yeah, uh, you mentioned something where someone comes up to you and explains an issue they're having in their personal hobby life. And you're like, you know, I've kind of experienced that too. And you almost identify it as you just call it a toxic trait in your own life. Definitely have the exact same experiences. Someone comes up and it's like, okay, I'm struggling with this portion of the model. And it's like, I've been there too. And you can kind of advise through that. Or you even realize that it's a problem in your own hobby life because they are bringing it up to you and they view it as an issue. So yeah, definitely similar experiences there. And then uh, Chase was kind of like asking, he said that we kind of figured out this process. We have so many ongoing projects and that's almost intentional and uh, absolutely is not intentional. Um, <laughs> I get the wrong message. <laughs> uh, I mean, part of it, so I've heard this thing before and maybe Alta can confirm or deny this where you have a cool idea for a video and then you like share it with someone and it almost feels like you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so an example of that, I have a notoriety for being into the color hot pink. And so I went out and I bought a bunch of hot pink fluorescent paints to do a fun kind of jokey comparison between them. The box of hot pink colors is still in my closet and I still want to do it, but like I have much less motivation to do it because I kind of told my audience about it and they're like, oh, that's cool. And it's like, okay, I got, I almost got the feeling of success because they liked the idea. I'm good now. Now I don't need to do it. And that uh, goes to my second point where it's uh, when you have an ongoing project and you share it with someone. They ask about it. They're like, "Where is it? Is it done yet? Have you finished it?" And it's like, oh, I can't. So that 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 is another kind of feeling of negativity. but yeah, definitely not intentional. And I think because I share it, it makes me less inclined to actually finish it.
2: It's such an interesting uh, pattern that you've noticed. It makes me think of, there's some work looking at like vacation and actually like the act of like thinking about a vacation and being like, oh, like I could go to Hawaii and like, these are the things that I could do is just as satisfying as going on the trip. Mm. Right, it sounds like that's similar to this idea of like you have this idea and you share it with people, who get feedback, and that is satisfying in and of itself.
0: Mm-hmm. But does the satisfaction then it maybe undermine the ability to produce? Then right, absolutely. So that makes a sort of weird spot then, though. Is so it like is the idea then uh, to deny yourself? you know, uh, satisfaction in order to be more productive? Is this some sort of like, you know, I got to make my, like, where, where does like the sort of middle path, like, where does contentment come into all of this, whether it's painting your miniatures and content creation for us? Like, I guess I'm not actually trying to think about it. even like now, like, am I content with my miniature collection? Like, I spent a lot of time thinking about how to get more miniatures and paint them. <laughs> like, um, but like, is, is that my vacation? Like- God, this is this is maybe disclosing a little bit, but man, when I was a kid, I, I, so I, I recently uh, had my closet, there was a leak and I had to move all my hobby stuff out and it was super, super bummer. But I went through and as a result, I was looking through some really old stuff I hadn't looked at. When I was a kid, when I had a 1997 Games Workshop product catalog and when things were really tough, uh, I remember like grabbing that and I would like flip through it and just look at like the pictures of miniatures to buy. And I would just like, Tell myself stories about the fun I'd have with them, or like even just like stories in the universe. And it has this like cool uh, Blood Angels like a chaplain on the cover of it. And I was looking, at it, and I was like, this out of all the like White Dwarf magazines, this was the one that like was worn the most. And I was like, man, I spent so much time thinking about like, and I didn't buy a lot of miniatures as a kid. My disposable <laughs> income was rather limited, but it was the promise of this thing. And I now I'm just like, kind of maybe weirdly wondering, like, oh man, am, am I just doing that again? Like, except now I I have money and I can like buy a cool Star Wars spaceship or get some Napoleonic linemen. Uh, and now I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, where is the joy in the hobby? Because I would I would have said it's like it's the playing the games with friends, and then maybe the painting. But maybe it's also the purchasing. Like, is it the chasing of this elusive thing? Is it the vacation idea? Hmm, mm-hmm. I did play a game recently where I sat down and the game was not so fun, but the painting the miniatures and collecting them was maybe more fun. Hmm, I, mean, I don't know. Where, where is the content in the hobby? And I guess that maybe lands differently for everybody, but I'm assuming that you guys spend more time hobbying than playing, hmm. considering how much time content creation makes. Like, do it's you quite, feel interested in the play? Is that the best part?
1: <laughs> I think
0: like, or sorry, I I just have like a moment here where I'm like thinking about, uh, but you know, yeah, Duncan, what's, what part of the hobby maybe stands out to you the most? Like, is there a spot when you're most content?
1: Um, I think, um, so I'm always kind of chasing. So I've got memories of games and things I've I've played in the past where it's kind of, it really comes to life and it's just really happy memories. And I think I'm always sort of chasing, making more of those memories. So for example, like, one, um, one of my best experiences in all miniature gaming was when I ran this War of Fantasy campaign. Um, so we played it over a year, every month was a turn and, you know, the seasons would change over the course of it. And I made a big 3D map for it and got everyone to make little markers for their armies and stuff so they could see what it were. And, um, we all had you know, i got everyone to name their nation that they we were fighting for and stuff. And, um, over the course of it everyone started painting new miniatures and new characters and things and we all started interacting it became a bit like a role-playing game and uh, like even the uh, people were writing letters to each other and like organizing betrayals and all this sort of stuff it was brilliant and i can remember uh, so one of my characters got killed by an ogre really early on and so i brought in a new character who was his son and was swan vengeance and so his quest was to find this guy eventually like many months later he caught and captured it and it's like well now I'm going to gloat about it so I'm going to do a joust and invite all the players to come to this joust and so because I dug out these old rules for playing this jousting thing in Warhammer and I was playing as Bretonian, so that's obviously what I do right and so I set up this scenario where um, I taught them all how to play this little game and I made everything for it and had like you know all all of it arranged and all the peasants there and all this kind of stuff and as part of it this ogre breaks out and it turns into a big free for all all this kind of thing (laughs) And um, it was just a really fun experience. And like that is, I think, when I'm feeling content, it's when it's that sort of narrative thing. had other ones where um, one of my guys got captured, and so I had the old Robin Hood figure, the Bertrand Librigand from my army. So they did a like a daring Prince of Thieves-style rescue in this castle to come and liberate the guy. There was another one, a 40K one, where um, it was like a bigger arena sort of thing, and everyone had to work together to get out of it. The evil lord and his big skull throne of death, you know. Um, it's these things I think, and these experiences with friends. That's what I want to keep doing. So all the miniatures I'm painting are kind of with that sort of goal in mind. I think whether I, <laughs> I get to do these things as often as I'd want to, I don't. I don't think I do. But that's for my personal hobby. It's always like aimed with that sort of thing in mind. When it comes to the content creation, it's uh, for me, it's someone doing the thing that I've shown them how to do in a video. And if they do it and they're really happy with it and it looks great, um, that's all the content driving goal for me is teaching people to do that thing. Uh, That's the most important thing. If they can do that thing, then I've earned my paycheck. (laughs) So um, all the stuff that's surrounding it is all to me like a bit of a haze and like a strange side effect of it. But um, if I show somebody how to, paint a face or like, do whatever technique and then they do it and they get it and they're like, I feel really good because I did that thing and that's, I feel really good about that. I feel content that way. I have a question for you
3: that might be a little difficult to answer. Do you feel like if your job and the work it requires never changes, that you would be able to recreate that campaign experience again ever in your life?
1: Um, yes, I think I... I think I can. Um, Everyone's lives have kind of changed and people, you know, like things do change obviously as people grow older, you know, people have families and stuff like that. So being in that unique set of circumstances where we had that time to put into it, it's quite a difficult thing. Um, I would like to do it again. And I hope I can. I'm hopeful for it. I think it's possible. Hmm. It sounds awesome. Uh,
3: Like just describing it, it was like, I don't even think I'd have the creativity to make it as cool as you were sounding, but it sounds awesome. And I would, I would love that. Um, but I had a realization in a, in a podcast recently that I was recording with my, with my co-host John. And I was like, when I was a 12 year old and I was playing Middenheim and we were doing storm of chaos, all I did for a year straight was paint Middenheim models. And that was what I did. That was my thing. I can't really have a thing anymore. You know, I can't work on a, table of terrain for six months. I can't work on a Mordeheim war band for however long because people aren't going to be interested in seeing the same thing over and over and over again for a year. And that's, that is the time that I have to work on that is like, you know, while I work for, for YouTube. And so it's like, how do you, how do you find that contentment that Chase is talking about those things
1: you really want to do while also doing your job the right way? Um. that's re- really interesting to that you meant so with the flames of war thing that's the one project i've committed to for quite a while in the same level but then i also realized that those miniatures are way easier to paint and way faster to paint than anything else that's like 28 now like i can power through painting a, a unit of tanks in a weekend you know like a whole platoon of you know, companies worth of tanks in a weekend so it's so easy to paint mm. um but when you talk about in terms of content creation if that's all i'm putting up on instagram well now i think people will get bored of it because it's kind of the same colours all the time isn't it so that is a tricky thing to get around so when you put in that light I don't know I mean if I spent a year painting Bretonians and making castles and stuff like that I think people would enjoy the novelty of it early on because it's kind of you know it's a bit retro and stuff so yeah after it's after three months like come on I can paint something else (laughs) I, I wonder I don't I don't really know um it's very interesting. thought. Kind of sad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I suppose, in a way, how do you do well, it in the morning? <laughs> bit, but I mean, there's like there is a bit of a distinction for me between my hobby and the work stuff because the work thing is all right. So the new thing is I don't know, a space marine, and people want to know how to paint that space marine or that color or a thing for that. Sure, I can do a video showing them how to do that sort of thing. That's cool. But then in my own time, I can go and paint something else um how much that can be used to promote the brand i guess i don't i don't really know so i suck at thinking about this kind of stuff <laughs> um, nice. because of. i think uh, that's what i mean about how the because i did this for a job for games workshop um the that was the promotion every day, especially the daily videos when we're doing these little things, you know, it's like we're showing someone how to do their thing, but I always have my own thing at the same time. And it would never be the same thing as what I was doing for work. It would always be like um, in fact, for a large part of it, I was painting that French Napoleonic army, which of course never showed because I was working at the games workshop, right? And so <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't go down well. Um, <laughs> um so and I was fine with that because it was like my own thing away from the public eye. Um, and I still do think about things a lot in that way. And I always have to remind myself, I should probably show people what I've been painting because people might be interested in seeing it. But I have to consciously like remember that and make myself do it. It's not like a, a natural thing. I've like been taking photos of everything I'm doing and just putting it on social media. And I don't know. I mean, I could start doing that sort of thing. It feels a bit forced so i don't know uh, um, do I'm, I'm not like... very good at promoting my brand
3: <laughs> yeah i mean you're a polite british person i totally get it tracks <laughs> see me i'm just like whatever i put paint out is going on the internet i don't care
1: <laughs> so apparently well, uh, things like why would why would anyone care what i'm painting at the weekend you know like are they all more the interested in what they're painting yeah, no. i care i, I, I want to see it you know what I mean? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just how I think about it, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's good for someone in my position to think that way, but it is what it is, I suppose.
2: Uh, Uh, The drive to be productive uh, all the time uh, can really, uh, that it's really hard to straddle that and balance, like, doing the projects that you want to do that might be maybe less exciting to a broader audience and, like, you know, doing your jobs. That
1: is definitely true. Uh, (laughs) It's definitely true. If I want to paint... uh, so. I arrived the other day. Was um, a packet of Norman Knights from a company called Dick's Tricks. and I really like Norman Knights. I think they look great, but I think more people want to see space marine. <laughs> it is a mm. uh, Scott. How would you? Um, what would your like if you weren't worrying so much about the content? Like you could just do the thing that you want to do. What would it be? I would definitely, at this moment,
3: do a heavily converted war band of something i see so many people on the internet uh, i could cite right now that make very awesome converted very thoughtful small groups of miniatures that are thematic and look so cool and are so unique um and i have no idea how to do sculpting and things like that so it would require a bit of a a learning period that would be awkward and would look bad and so yeah i would love to do that right now other things, it's just like, I'd love to do really, really complicated videos. Like you mentioned this year-long campaign that was like narratively driven. I'd love to make a TV show out of that, mm-hmm. um, which would require involvement from producers and employees and, and and gear rental and all of these things. I would love to do that. But I, had, I have no idea what the first step into doing that it requires, it requires employees and stuff like that. So yeah, I mentioned earlier how I enjoy the video aspect as well as the painting aspect. And that's how it manifests itself is... Uh, big projects in in both those worlds.
0: Well, I think, you know, um, we had a lot of stuff there and I I really appreciate you guys exploring these topics and kind of just sharing that these are things like, you know, we're all humans and it's kind of fun for me to be hearing like, oh, like hearing your perspective on things. And I know maybe perhaps sometimes people put you up on pedestals, but, you know, you have the same struggles and, and tribulations and there are some unique things that change the nature of painting and how the interaction with mental health is because content creation really adds a different dynamic. Mm. And I, I know a lot, lot to think about here and, uh, and maybe process and think down the line. You know, when it comes to, to maybe mental health and Alta as like the kind of outside perspective on um, the hobby and some of the things that were talked about today, learning there any maybe threads or themes that you picked up on and anything that we want to keep in mind as a takeaway uh, from the conversation? Yeah, please diagnose us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> so Bring many yourself. so many things. I mean oh, uh, no, it's all good things. Uh
0: so it's not that's good. So it's it's not just for Scott. Like, it's just for Scott, huh? you're screwed up.
2: <laughs> no, but you know it's it's so cool getting to hear how you've all learned to navigate these situations. And one of the things that's so fun for me is I get to hear these strategies and then map them on to like our therapy speak, right? So I'm hearing about y'all like doing these experiments, which like, you know, I would be like, oh, behavioral experiments, that's a really important therapeutic strategy. Or like, um, I had to write some of this down because I was like, there's so many things. Um, uh, but you know, like, like recognizing thoughts, like when y'all were talking about how like those self-critical thoughts of the ugly period, like recognizing those thoughts mm-hmm. in up itself as a skill, and then choosing how you want to respond, right? Like if you want to challenge it by doing like what Duncan was saying, like looking at Another model and being like, okay, I know this looked like that at some point, so that's like important evidence for me to consider here. Or by just kind of letting those thoughts, like you know, play in the background like a TV that's like on in the room and doing what you need to do. Um, so it's just really fun getting to hear all of these different strategies and the strengths that y'all have. I think the other main takeaway for me is just like how normal these challenges are. Think like, you know. Being human, like these things are just a part of life, and uh, I think it's great getting to hear all of the different ways that you learn to cope with that and the things that still pop up for you.
0: Yeah, I think the idea too of like the change. For me, the the early on it resonated with the 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 burnout thing, and and it sounds like it comes and goes, like and it will probably arrive again. There'll be other periods of burnout, and it's like, oh yeah, I see that in my own life, and it's maybe helpful to think that these are cycles, maybe, and um. You know, we can be skillful and maybe things that nurture us in those times, whether it's social communities or parasocial communities, like, you know, tapping into people's video content or other online communities, maybe helping us navigate forward and maybe being, uh, you know, sometimes maybe a little bit of kindness in how we talk about it, our, our own process. Um, even I can hear like, even myself creeping in when it's like expectations of like how much content to make or how fast, and, you know, there are deadlines and, and there are, you know, for you guys, this is a job and like, you know, what makes your content both so great is how so much of you is in that. And it, it doesn't, you know, often come across as a job. It seems like, you know, you're, you're generally putting yourself into each of these pieces of content you make, and that does sustain other people. And I think going back originally, I was talking about like, Hey, I'll sit down and listen to your content. And that is like. It's relaxing, it's calming. It's motivating and inspiring. And, you know, oftentimes it's, it's a uh, a good laugh, whether it's a, a pug or uh, or a, a really interesting spoof for OnlyFans, which I haven't shown you yet. But, uh, Scott, we're going to wait for uh, – well, I didn't want to scare you too much there. But, and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, <laughs> just, you know it definitely uh, impacts a lot of people. And I don't know if you put that together when you see a little counter go up on your video and it's like there's another plus one view on this that's like a person that's life has been impacted and possibly in that, like in that way, in a time when maybe it's it's really important for them to be seeing stuff like this and helping them get through their regular day and sitting down at the painting table. Um, uh, so, you know, kind of a thank you for all that you do, even though I know it's like incredibly hard, I do a little bit of video stuff and it's hard. <laughs> so I look at you and I'm like, wow, oh my god, uh, day in and day it's,
3: out. It's the same challenges. I mean, like the things that you're struggling with right now, Chase, are the same things that we're struggling with. Um, so like, yeah, don't, don't feel like because we do it for a job, it's really any different sitting down, doing that editing, doing that painting or, or any of it, doing that writing. the struggles are all the same. The effort is all the same. So yeah, you're you're right there with us.
0: Well, and thank you so much for coming on and taking your time out of your day. I know you guys both have very busy schedules and we're spread over quite a few time zones (laughs) here. Uh, so thanks for either waking up early in, uh, in Seattle Alta or, uh, Dunk it over there in England as it's getting dark. Yes, we get and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, hopefully maybe at some point we got to get some song of ice and fire games in here. I think uh, I want to see some Greyjoys versus Lannisters. Uh, that would be a, a fun time. I, I, think, I would love know. that. I would yeah. love that so much. Yeah, that'd be so much fun. Maybe you'll make... Can you make a, a King's Tournament, maybe some jousting oh. rules too to, 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 have a, to have a side thing in the background with all the infinite time, you know? When Duncan finishes is making those castles. What is it, yeah, years
1: yeah. ahead? Of- I have okay. people, So in the UK, there's a shop called Warstones, right? It's a bookshop. But in there, they always have this section that's got board games and things. And they always have a, uh, a jigsaw puzzle of Westeros. And uh, it's got like 3D castles and things you can put on it. And it's all divided oh. into the segments of the territory. And every time I go in, I'm like... That'd make a really good campaign map. Yes, it like, would. Yeah, if I glued yeah. that down, you know what I mean? A few little tokens for armies moving along. Start it just like at the start of Game of Thrones and start of the War of the Five Kings and just see what happens. Please invite Finally, me. The, fr- <laughs> the free folk will conquer
0: all. Mance, that's the plot twist. Mance is going to be <laughs> there. You here, go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's all about him all along. It's the free folk. But on that being said, you know, thanks so much again for coming on here, and uh, for those listening, uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments below if, if certain things resonated. And uh, you know, in the meantime, we hope you get your miniatures on the table. Yeah.